Hello and welcome to day three of a year of war and peace. I'm Logan. I'm Brett. I keep forgetting to say my name. Um, they've got they've got it by now. <laughs> We're three days into this. Today we'll be covering volume one, part one, chapter three. So in this chapter, Anna, Anna Pavlovna's soiree continues. Oh yes, it does. We oh, get, continue it does. It continues indeed. We get uh, some scenes with her her esteemed guest, the Viscount Mortemart, a French immigré. Uh, as he talks about some, some I mean, politics, some recent controversy, some recent political controversy. We get an, more of an introduction to Helene, uh-huh. uh, the, the daughter of Prince Vasily. Yeah. A little bit more of an introduction to her and how beautiful and, and gorgeous and seducing she is. Pierre gets into she's a... She's putting her arms on tables this chapter. She's, she's leaning. Dude, she's, she's leaning and looking. Leaning, That's all she has to do, really. and looking. Pierre gets into a debate with the Abbey. And then we get a new character, our heroic, Andre. dashing Prince Andre Ooh. arrives on the at the very end. Andre's, Andre's grumpy. Andre's in a bad mood. Dude, he's in a bad mood and he hates his wife. He He's in a bad mood. He's mean to his wife. He's only... But he's excited to see his boyfriend. His buddy. His, his good friend, boyfriend. His good. They kiss, his, Your Honor. <laughs> your, your Honor. Your Honor. They have locked lips. I fear. I forgot how how grumpy and grouchy Andre is. He's really yeah. He's, he's grouchy real here. grouchy, and he hates women. He does. Andre is enlisted in the army. He's going away. Yes. To the war. That he is, and we also find out. Um, that Pierre has some sort of relation to Prince Vasily. Yeah, so Pierre is staying He's, at yes. Prince Vasily's house. Currently at his house. Prince Vasily is the one responsible for reintroducing him to society. Society. And at the end, he's, he begs Anna Pavlovna to, to, to take care of Pierre, <laughs> so he stops embarrassing himself. And then we also get the great line from Andre where he goes to Pierre and he goes, It's you! Dot, dot, dot. Out in society. <laughs> <laughs> he hasn't seen him. Who knows how, when the last time he saw him is. Oh, I don't He's know, been abroad for years, probably. It's you. I love when, when the way that Anna Pavlovna is described managing this party, when um, she sees Pierre debating and arguing with the Abbey, and it says she saw them arguing too heatedly and too forcefully, so she runs over on a rescue mission <laughs> to, try and, to try and make sure no one gets too serious at her party. Yeah, one thing about parties is you don't want people getting too serious. No, it's a fun. It's supposed to be fun. We're supposed to have a good time, even though they're talking about the execution, the un, yeah, the right? unright execution of a of a French noble. This isn't super important, but a little bit of historical. It's a, it's relevant for Miss Pavlovna's party. It is. So the Duke of Anguien was a duke in Baden, Baden, the which is a Baden. I don't know if it I think it was under French jurisdiction at the at Where this is it? time. I think it's in like Belgium or or western northwestern Germany ish. I think it was a French territory at this time. I don't know why else he would have had the opportunity. But basically there was Napoleon was becoming emperor and there were a bunch of plots against him. And the short of it is that the Duke of Anguien was suspected wrongfully of plotting to assassinate Napoleon and being in league with these plotters, which was – there was a real plot, but he was wrongly suspected of being involved. And Napoleon arrested him, seized him, and had him executed without like a proper trial or or anything. And it was later shown that he was not – he was definitively not involved. So he killed this duke and – 
I think it's it was very controversial throughout Europe, especially in light of the reign of terror that had happened some years prior under mm-hmm. Robespierre, where they had just been killing nobles left and right in France. So that's that's what they're talking about at this is is this duke who was wrongfully executed by Napoleon on on mere suspicion of wrongdoing. I love how while this is going on, this conversation is happening. You have the the two princesses also like having this weird simultaneous experience where Helene is, I don't know, just charming the party by just walking around and beaming dazzlingly. And then you have the little princess, which why would you describe someone as the little princess if you didn't want me to think she was eight years old? And she has her craft with her. <laughs> like, what? Like, that's crazy. Like, it's I'm all for bringing your craft to a party. But then <laughs> don't describe her as the little princess. <laughs> I, think, I think it would... The only thing I can think of that would make that make more sense is that if you were reading this at the time, you would contextually understand that a child wouldn't be at a soiree like this, maybe. Yeah, yeah. But, I, I, but yeah, like I know. I, guess, I see but what she's you also mean. pregnant. So she I spent. Is, oh yeah. She I is. spent so much time reading this chapter over and over again, trying to parse out which princess was pregnant, and then how, like, trying to figure out how old they were. Yeah. So if anyone is confused on that, Prince Lisa Bolkonsky is oh, the yeah. pregnant She's one. She's the pregnant one. And Princess Helene is not. not. She is Vasily's daughter. Yes. They're both, I don't know exactly how old they are, but they're both of, of marrying age. Yeah. age. They, they're probably in the 17 to 20-ish range, I would guess. Yeah. How old, is, how old are the, the boys? How old is Andre and Pierre? That's a good question. I think Pierre is specifically 20, I think. I don't know if that's... But he's he's just finished his abroad education, which is like a college sort of experience. So he's 20 or around 20, I believe. And Andre, I would guess, since they're peers and seem to have known each other for a while, is about the same age. So mm. I'd guess that they're both 20 to early 20s-ish. Okay. okay. So everyone, everyone, every, they're all young, young folk here in this, in this chapter. I also love the description of uh, Hippolyte. Where at the bottom of page 14, we got the charming Hippolyte bore close resemblance to his beautiful sister. It was even more remarkable that in spite of the similarity, he was an ugly man. (laughs) (laughs) Tolstoy is crazy. Tolstoy brings out zingers, dude. Dude. He is like flaming these poor characters. He really he really does. I love his narration. I want to know about the relationship between him and uh liza or lisa lisa it seems like they know each other well i think everyone knows everyone to some degree right i guess they're all socialites but like to the point where he would bring her craft bag over for her and that feels like a big gesture well maybe he's just a nice guy like that maybe 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 he's got some maybe he's a little maybe he's a little little be on a little dog on the down low you never know what these sorts of i personally think he's being a dog on the down low Based on his freaky, his freaky younger brother. <laughs> Apple. His little scoundrel younger brother. Apples and trees and all that. Makes you wonder what Prince Vasily was like as a, as a youth. Definitely a as scoundrel. A I mean, Anna, Anna literally says you would be a fine man if you weren't a father. 
Like, mm. I feel like he was a little scoundrel. Maybe I wonder if he and Anna have anything. I think have so. I think they maybe have a little history. Vasily and Anna. I want that prequel. I want the right. I want. <laughs> I want Vasily and Anna. I'll write you a Vasily and Anna fan fiction for Christmas. Merry Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Happy late Christmas. Pierre's in his on full college student back from a broad swing, getting into an argument with the with the Italian. With the Italian With immigrants. the Italian. <laughs> Marco, if you're listening, you're represented in this book. And you have a you have dumb ideas about world peace through the balance yeah! of power. You you fool. You fool. And if I have Lovin is so stressed out about Pierre. I it seems like she's like having a fine time except for Pierre. Bad for Anna. Yeah. Cause one thing about if you're hosting a party, you don't get to enjoy the party. Mm. And she's got her old ass aunt. <laughs> she's got the two most gorgeous women in all of Russia, apparently. She's got Pierre. And now there's a grumpy, grumpy guy, Andre. And now she's Andre got grumpy ga- Andre. And she has two celebrity guests. And they're both... Well, one of them's being disrespected by one of by the college I student. I don't know, because it seems to me like the Viscount is almost like... Okay. Yeah, enjoying this discussion that he's having with Pierre. Yeah. I mean, he did. But it's too heated. Pierre did call the Abbey stupid. So <laughs> the yeah. Abbey's not having a good time. But I, it seems like maybe Anna's perceiving the conversation as being too heated. Right. But I think it seems to me, at least, that they are enjoying having this intellectual discussion with one another. Yeah. But I don't know. That could just be me. Yeah, I think that that's probably a fair. A fair it's probably just that she doesn't want to get things to get too serious. I think because I think even the Viscount's story about the Duke is like kind of humorous. It's like sort yeah. of told in like a humorous yeah. way. So I think the whole point is to keep everything light and bubbly. No serious political conversation. But yeah, I also, know? I mean, I also think that like, obviously Pierre's in the minority of his thought regarding Napoleon and yes. regarding um, Napoleon's actions. Very much so. But I, I think that, I think that she doesn't want that in her house. Because I think, I think no, that no, that no. will... I mean, maybe it might dredge the reputation of her parties to allow mm. such free thinkers in the room with these yeah, very well, important guests. When your job is holding nice parties, you don't I'm, want the you, free thinkers. I'm sure that parties. You know, they say if you if you do what you love for work, then what you love becomes work. I wonder if that's true for partying too. You know what I'm talking about where it's like if you like your you have a hobby was... you like. Well, that's like the the ironic version of the thing. You have a hobby you like you make it your job, and then you stop liking it as a hobby because now you have to do it. I guess. For work. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Um, the only other thing I can think of for this one is there's a little mention of a of a fella named General Kutuzov, who mm, Andre has signed right. with. General Kutuzov is a real. I did see historical that in the footnotes. Figure. Yes. He is. He is the commander in chief, I believe, of the Russian army. He will. Make a much grander appearance later in the book, but he is he's this is the first mention of him, and this is something that will also be apparent later, but this is something that Tolstoy is going to do where he's blending fiction and reality where he's presenting real history in the 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 novel yeah, there was something really interesting about that, and actually in the introduction of mm-hmm, the which I have read now you have read I did, I did okay read good. It. Where um, Orlando Figgs writes that novelists attempt to engage with the truth of history and that Tolstoy felt it important to, to highlight the inner life of society with their inner thoughts, inner dialogues in relation to the importance of the personal experience. Like these fictional characters that, you know, to us are very real, more real than 
the real people mm-hmm. i would argue mm-hmm. that it's it's more powerful for this story to be told through the fictional characters and their relation to the real than it is just to be told the real right right because these the, i mean like pierre and andre seem more real to me than this general guy general kutuzov he seems more real to me in the fictional context than right. he does as a historical figure yeah and i think in the introduction also it talks about that Tolstoy rejects is trying to reject historians who look at history through very specific lenses mm-hmm. and attribute everything to economics or everything to geopolitics or everything to great men, the great mm-hmm. man theory where individuals are responsible for yeah. everything. And he's trying to make a more holistic view where it's more about the pe like he's trying to make a more cohesive individual exploration of of history yeah rather than attributing it all to one single factor and taking this very analytical view he takes a much more personal view of it and so kutuzov and we've only talked about him but napoleon we will see these characters in the novel but nothing is it's not historical fiction it's very much just it's it's there it's history presented as a novel in points there, um, Figs also writes that it is a triumphant affirmation of human life and all of its richness and complexity. And mm-hmm. I think that that's like a very good way of kind of putting it with these first few chapters. I think I'll bring that quote up again once we get to like our week summary because I feel, I mean, I've already started, like you already start to see it in these first few chapters where yeah. these people's lives are so intertwined with the goings on of the the i mean the european arena Mm -hmm. that it is impossible to separate them from their personal lives their personal desires their personal relationships and this bigger grander scale of the napoleonic wars yeah okay rankings it's your turn to come up with something for me okay so we're going to rank pierre helene andre and liza by how well they would drive a manual car. Oh, interesting. I think I think Prince Vasily might have taught Helene how to drive a stick shift. Yeah, she's a sleeper. I think there's a chance. She's a sleeper. I think there's a chance. She's whooping it in that thing. <laughs> I know that for sure with her plump arm. Yeah, that's what those arms are so plump from. <laughs> They're from whipping the jacked. stick. <laughs> that's what that's what he means by he means by plump is it she's her, racing her, in the mons i think that lisa and pierre are both just about equally poor i don't think i don't think that i think pierre definitely hasn't learned and i don't think that liza would have learned how to drive a stick shift at all earlier so i, I want to i would the tie them right about for the bottom mm-hmm. and then put andre in second place and i'd put helene yeah I'd, helene's I'd number give, one i'd give helene number one I think Helene either is like super into cars and can drive a stick and basically operate her own auto shop or or literally does not have a license and has never been behind the wheel of a vehicle <laughs> and 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 is actually at the bottom of the list. <laughs> she's just, she's either the sleeper or is asleep or is there or is sleeping <laughs> or is sleeping. All right, well that wraps it for chapter 3. So we'll see you guys all tomorrow again for chapter four as I think the soiree just keeps going on. The soiree keeps happening. Soiree away. Soiree, soiree. Soiree, soiree.